Now I'm going to Matthew 15, verse 21. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. Uh, But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, A whole woman, Great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Now, go to Mark's account of this. Mark chapter 7. Now, as you note, uh, not all the Gospels record every story. Uh, Some are all all four Gospels, but some are not. This is one that is not. This is in two of the four. But there's enough in both of these to really piece some amazing truths together. Look at verse 25. Uh, For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. And the woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it under the dogs. And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And he said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. And she, uh, and when she came, uh, and when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out, and her daughter laid upon the bed. You pray with me and for me this morning. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to read the word of God. It is the word of the Lord. It is the authority by which we stand. We thank you that we have been given the insight into this very intrusive conversation, this humbling conversation. And I pray you'd help us, Lord, to see, uh, Lord, the bigger picture, to understand the significance of this woman's persistent faith, her persistent request. God, help us. I pray for the one this morning that's hurting, as mentioned already, Lord. I pray, God, you would help us, Lord, strengthen those that are here today. If there was one here today, that if they were to die, uh, they do not know where they're going to go. I pray, God, their heart would be open to the gospel, that they would get saved before it's eternally too late. Thank you for this time together. I pray you bless the few minutes that we have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. may be seated. If you have your Bibles, uh, we are in the Gospel of Matthew, and we are also in Mark. This encounter here that the Lord Jesus Christ had with this woman is very remarkable. I pondered this throughout the week, and um, I'm just, uh, I, I know that I cannot but scratch the surface of the material that's in this conversation. I think there's more here than we could cover in the few minutes that we have. But this is one of the most amazing encounters uh, that uh, we find uh, here in the New Testament. Uh, and I want to say this before we get started, and 
I know this, that uh, there's some in this room that there's, uh, I think all of us would say, and be honest with each other, that we all have a need in our life. Uh, and they may not, some, some may not have big needs, but there's, every one of us have needs uh, this morning. And I know there's a difference between needs and wants. Sometimes those get blurred. But we all have needs. We have things that we need today. And I would say also, in addition to those who perhaps largely speaking in the congregation has needs, there may be some that have a major need in their life. I mean, it's not the normal. And you know it. Um, your husband knows it. Your family knows it. It is a major need. And it's, it's on your heart right now. And uh, you came in with that need. You slept thinking or tried to go to sleep last night uh, thinking about that need. And, uh, and there's most likely some in this room that know that have a massive need. And they may be looking at a devastating situation. Maybe it's a, a situation in their family and uh, they, can't, they can't fix it. It, it might be something that uh, is financial uh, in nature, and uh, it's, uh, it's devastating. And it could be a problem with one of, your, uh, one of your own kids, your children, maybe a grown child, uh, maybe a young child, and, and you're looking at it, and it's hopeless, and you're looking at it, I, I don't know uh, how to fix this. And uh, it may be a disease that you're looking at. You're wondering what's ahead. You may have aging parents, and you've got some decisions. I mean, we can go on and on on a list of issues that people have. Uh, perhaps people this morning, uh, this is a big problem, people going home to a lonely house. We, I think of John Peterson. John was here this morning at 9, and he goes home to a house with no wife. And there's others here this morning. You go home to a quiet home. And, and I don't even know what that's like right now. Uh, I, I have no idea what a quiet home is. I don't, I don't know what that is. Uh, but uh, four kids, two, co- two of the kids coming home from college this week, it's going to get crazy. Two dogs, chickens. I mean, it's not nonstop in our home, you know, just to get solitude, you know, just run. Um, why, why are you up in the tree? It's the only safe place around. And so just, okay. So I don't know what that's like right now, but I know there's a day coming that I may have to, to face what some are facing here this morning. That's a, big, that's a big issue. That's a hurtful issue. And I think some this morning, if you're, if you're honest, you're, you're looking at the situation and, and uh, you're, you're, you're troubled. Uh, you're, you're troubled. And this woman here in this text has prop, uh, one big problem. She has a lot of problems, but one is major. And uh, she's approached, uh, she's going to approach the Lord Jesus Christ and she's coming with a very specific need. And she's coming with a very specific request. And as I preach this text today, um, I, I want us all to get something out of this today. I don't know where you are today. Say, Pastor, I don't really have a major issue. I mean, I got needs, but no major issues. There's something for all of us today. And I want to, to know that, and you to know, that whatever you're facing, I don't care what it is, there's always, always hope. Always hope. Always hope. I never subscribe to the idea that it's hopeless. Uh, when we have a God that works in that realm, he works in the hopeless realm. And, uh, and many times we just like to just throw, out, uh, the, uh, the, the, throw it out and say it's, it's not going to be fixed. It's never going to be fixed. Uh, I just cannot believe that because we have an impossible uh, situations that God loves to work in. So let's look at this here, okay, Un- unfolding some of these verses. Verse 22 we'll start with. 
this woman comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, this is one of those encounters, a conversation that she's going to have with the Lord. It is recorded only in two Gospels, Matthew and Mark, uh, but it's very insightful. Note here in verse 22, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him. Now, let me stop here for a second, and I'm going to note where she's coming from, where the Lord Jesus Christ is located when this, set, when this is said. And I'm going to try to unpack this. And we'll be moving back and forth between Mark 7 and Matthew 15. And so if I get ahead of you and I quote a verse, I'm probably over in Mark. So I'll try to reference where I'm at. And so I hope to not uh, uh, hurt you too much on that. Uh, but you'll find here the reason she's coming, she's got a major, major problem. It says here in verse 22 that uh, her daughter is, and it says grievously vexed with the devil. Now we use the word demon. The word of God uses the word Devil, and there there is a difference. Uh, I mean, I know I know it's the same thing, but there's the etymology of the word is different, and I don't have time to unpack all of that. But I will say this: this is a devil. Uh, this is not the devil, but this is a devil. This is one of the uh, fallen angels that have followed Lucifer, uh, according to Revelation chapter twelve. Uh, this is a destructive, evil spirit, and uh, and by the way. Uh, they love to be cruel, they love to torment, they love to destroy, they love to murder. Jesus tells us that Satan is a murderer from the beginning. And so Lucifer, understanding, is the prince and the power of the air. Uh, You can compare uh, what is happening in Luke, uh, in in this, uh, in verse 22, with that in the book of Ephesians chapter uh, 6, or rather, yeah, Ephesians chapter 6, where it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. What does that mean? We're not fighting against something we can, we can see, flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So we have four ranks of demonic activity or demon or devil's activity that are available, that are uh, against us today. They're organized, they're purposed, and this woman had one of her daughters, I don't know how many children that she had, but she does have a daughter that is vexed, and it says grievously with a devil. So we have a woman that has a problem, a big problem. When there is a devil in the home, uh, there is a big problem. Uh, this is evil in the home. This is uncontrolled fits of rage and anger. And most likely, if you compare uh, that of what is happening with the man in Mark chapter 5, that man in Mark chapter 5 that was there tormented with 2,000 devils, uh, the Bible says he would cut himself. Okay? So he would cut himself. And can I just say this, kids, teenagers, the act of cutting yourself is not an act of God. Okay? This is coming from Lucifer or darkness. And cutting, by the way, is very common today. Very common. But yet it's very demonic. It has demonic influence. People are doing it because they're under darkness or under the influence of darkness. And so if you can compare what happened with Mark chapter 5's account of that demon-possessed man, this man was in the tombs 
he was cutting himself. He dwelt among death. He loved to talk about death. He was feared. He was super strength, strong. He was a very uh, tormented man. And he was alone. He was with another demon-possessed man in one of the accounts. And he was tormented every day, night and day. So this woman had a daughter that is grievously vexed with the devil. So it's likely that she's cutting herself, that she's in depression, that she's going through sleepless nights. She has uncontrolled fits of rage and anger. Okay, can we, can we just lay this down in case some of you teens don't believe this? There is evil in this world. There is demonic devils. These are demons, devils that want to work against you. Now, you don't believe that or not, but it is absolutely true. It is an evil world that we're living in, and we're subjected to the principalities of this world, and they're tormenting people. You hear many people say, well, that mental, uh, they had mental illness. They were hearing voices. Listen, these people that go in and shoot people and kill people and do what they do under derision, voices in my head, things that are talking to me. Listen, that's not God. Okay. And so I'm saying this morning, this woman has a big issue. Her petition is coming with a lot of pain. Because one of her daughters, I don't know where it happened. We don't know how it happened. We don't know how she reared this kid. I would say most likely that this girl, this has not uh, been raised in a, a godly home. There's no indication by the woman's origin and where she came from that this was a godly home. No indication that she would have been raised around the Torah, the Old Testament. There's no indication that she was a, a believer of Jehovah God. No indication of that at all. So it's likely that the woman, this mother, is getting, if you would, uh, a little bit of the consequences of how she uh, uh, and what she allowed in her home. And fortunately, this, this child's a mess, and, and, uh, and now she's, she's in a frantic panic. And you'll find the word here in verse 22, she cried unto him. And so this, this carries the idea of crying out, of, of shouting. And so as the Lord Jesus Christ is going into Tyre and Sidon, which, by the way, is an entirely different country than Israel. They're they're going into present-day Lebanon. And he is up there on these coastal cities, Tyre and Sidon, which were wicked cities. And so here they are in a midst of a pagan culture. This woman is crying out, probably above the crowds that are following him. And I want you to note in, uh, in Mark's account of this, something very interesting. Again, when you start piecing the pieces together between the two accounts, you get something very insightful, one that I think we, we should take heed to in verse 25. Look at Mark 7's account in verse 25, and we'll go back to Matthew in just a little bit. Look at verse 25. For a certain woman whose daughter, whose young daughter... It's a very interesting insight. I just saw that. I didn't realize that. Young daughter, okay, had an unclean spirit. Her, watch this phrase here. Heard of who? Him. Now, she came and fell at his feet, according to verse 25. So, indication, she's coming with a petition, but she's coming with a petition because she, number one, heard of Jesus Christ. Wow. And so, so perhaps she heard about how Jesus had the ability to heal all manner of diseases. Uh, Perhaps she heard that Jesus had the ability to cast out not one, not two, not ten, 
but 2,000 devils out of the man in Mark 5. She heard of this man, this Messiah, this, this, uh, this Jewish Messiah, that he's able to heal. He's able to take a lame man and make him walk. He's able to take a blind man and make them see. So she's had to hear, according to the verse 25, something about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's what she had to say to herself. If he could do it for them, he could do it for me. If he could do the impossible with other impossible situations, he could do it for me. And that's how the Lord Jesus Christ is approached. So she's convinced. Whatever she heard about him, she is convinced that Jesus could help. So the woman comes to Jesus because of faith. The woman comes to Jesus out of hope, but she comes to him because she heard of him. Now, ladies and gentlemen, as a church, as a church, listen, it is our responsibility to make sure people hear about Jesus Christ. Are you all here? They, they need to hear about what Jesus is and who Jesus is. There are some hopeless situations around, and there's people that just need to hear something that's truthful. And then listen, she needed something, but society wasn't able to produce and fix the problem. This woman needed something, but her, her dead religion came up short. She could have taken her demon-possessed child to church, and they would say, you know, a couple of Hail Marys and try to put some holy water on her. It wasn't going away. Are y'all here? She needed a solution and all of the self-help and the positive thinking sermons weren't helping her daughter. Are y'all here? So they show up to Joel Olstein's church. Joel Olstein says to her, I'm sorry, you just need to start thinking positively. And when you start thinking positively, those demons are going to go. They don't go away. The demons aren't going. Are y'all here? I'm simply saying, this woman, society wasn't helping her. Her religion wasn't helping her. Her self-efforts weren't helping her. She's in a desperate situation. The only one that can help her is the one that's standing in front of her, and she hears about him. Now, I don't know how many of you can identify with this woman, but this is a poor, anxious mother. And perhaps you're dealing with maybe a child that's out of control. Or maybe you're dealing with a situation that you're at your wit's end. There is no, there's nothing left. I can't fix it. Perhaps you're just exhausted. Every means of fixing the situation has been exhausted and you're turning for help. Maybe, maybe the Lord can help. Now, regardless of what you're facing today, the answer of your problem, I can say confidently, is in this book right here. This is not just a book that has two leather covers and filled with pages of, of words written in archaic language. This book will help you because this book is absolutely true. If, if Jesus can heal others, maybe he can help me. And she heard of what he said. And he heard of what he could do. And have you ever heard of what Jesus could do? Have you ever just listened to what? Have you realized that, that Jesus can move? Have you heard that Jesus can move mountains? Have you heard that Jesus can raise the lame and make them walk again? Have you heard that Jesus can change a life? I mean, a hopeless situation can be hopeful. <laughs> Have you heard that he can calm the raging sea? Have you heard that he can walk on water? 
Have you heard that he can love like no other can love? Have you heard that he can forgive like no other can forgive? Have you heard that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords? Have you heard that he is a healer? Have you heard that he is the head of the church? Have you heard that he is anointed one? Have you heard that he is the son of God? Have you heard that he can help? Have you heard that he can love you? Have you heard that he is a friend of sinners? Have you heard that he is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother? Have you heard that he heals the brokenhearted? Have you heard that he is a lily of the valley? Have you heard that he can meet your need? He can save your soul. He can touch your loved ones. You name it, and he can do it. That's our Lord. And so this woman is coming with petition, but she's coming with hope and faith of what she's heard about what Jesus can do. Now, this is where it gets rough. It is one thing to know what Jesus can do. It is one thing to know that he can heal. It's an entirely different issue when you're bringing that petition to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, before I even get into this, the Lord Jesus Christ knows what all of us need to give us an expected end, an answer. He knows what measures it's going to take to get us to see ourselves and who we are. And I'm talking to people like all of us are. We're, we, have, we, have, we, have our, we have our standard of Christianity. Uh, we have this, if you would, this uh, personification of what we think Christianity is and what we think we are. And we're better than so-and-so. And we're not that bad, and we typically are very good at comparing our, our goodness with other people's badness. It makes us look pretty good, especially when we compare it to someone that looks worse than us. Are you all with me this morning? No. This woman comes to Jesus. She needs help. She doesn't get the response that she thought she would get. Here's what I'm going to unpack because you'll see that our culture does not like to wait on anything. Y'all here? We don't, we don't like to wait. We don't, we don't want to wait on our meals. We don't want to wait on our anything. I told the whole story about the milk cow situation. I don't have time to unpack all that. <laughs> but that whole thing in the barn several years ago was really a situation. I, I need to go faster. And the whole story is very simple. I, 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 I'm not going to tell the story, Okay. I'll get into that, and it, it, it takes too much time. But I'm saying our culture does not want to wait. We don't want to take time to wait. And her persistence is incredible. Look at verse 23. Uh, verse 23, you find here, of course, uh, in our text, in uh, verse 23, he went from thence, he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon. Now, in this gospel, you'll note here that the borders of Tyre and Sidon this Greek woman, I think this is an interesting phrase here. This Greek woman is coming from a, his, a history of paganism. Okay, in, in Matthew's account, this woman here, of course, she is Greek, verse 26. She is a Syrophoenician by nation. Matthew refers to her as a Canaanite. Okay, are you all with me so, so far? So now she's going to have some obstacles that are going to be presented to her. Now watch this. She's, the need's not going to go away by itself. 
Her daughter is vexed with the devil. She needs help. But she's coming with the petition. Why? Because she hears that Jesus can help. So she's coming to him with hope that he can fix it. So she has to overcome some obstacles. One of the obstacles is very obvious in the text. Uh, and it's added in verse 22 uh, in, uh, in, in Matthew's account is that she was a Canaanite. Now, in verse 21, she had to overcome the fact that she, in, according, to Matthew, uh, to, according to the gospel of Mark, Mark, is that she is from Tyre and she's from Sidon. Now, these, by the way, I mentioned this already. These are coastal cities in Lebanon, present-day Lebanon today. And one interesting fact about this makes this whole situation very ironic is that these people should not have been alive. They, they, the, the whole people should have been wiped out. According to Deuteronomy's account, oh, back in the days of Joshua, uh, during the time in the conquering years, they were told in Deuteronomy chapter seven, as a judicial act against a wicked people, that they were to be annihilated. They were to be killed. All of them, men, women, children. Say, pastor, can you rectify that? Can you can you can you uh, uh, balance that with God's love? Uh, I don't fully understand it, but I will say this. I fully believe it. And you'll find here very interestingly, the Lord shall deliver them before you and thou shalt smite them, utterly destroy them. So this, this again, a Canaanite, a Syrophoenician woman should have been destroyed way back in the days of Judges. Now, this people, the Syrophoenician people, they live in the northern part right now, present day Lebanon. During the days of the king, King uh, David, they became almost allies, somewhat allies. The enemy of my enemies is my friend, that kind of idea. Well, both of them had a, had a, a common enemy. The Syrophoenicians and the Jewish people had an enemy called the Philistines during the times of David. Well, David was able to destroy the Philistines on land. The Syrophoenician people were able to destroy them by sea. They were very good maritime in their trading and their, their, their seamanship. And so they became somewhat allies, but they became tighter allies with a very dangerous thing that happened after the kingdom rent split. Ten tribes went north, two tribes went south. Again, this is history. This is why when you get to the story, there's a lot of backstory here. There's a little princess by the name of Jezebel. And she is a Zidonian. She came on the scene as a little princess, cute little thing. And she uh, is going to marry none other than Ahab, Ahab and Jezebel. Now, for the first time in the nation of Israel's history, there was a national move to go from Jehovah worship to Baal and Ashereth worship. This was a huge shift from Jehovah polytheism, uh, excuse me, monotheism, to polytheism or many gods, Baal worship, devil worship. This little princess, she came down there and she says, I got an idea. And she began to move, killing and destroying the prophets of God. So the preachers, they took them out. They slayed them. They actually had to hide the preachers and keep the prophets in seclusion because of Jezebel. So here's a ruthless, pagan, prostitute, uh, manipulative queen that now is the queen of the northern kingdom. And she instituted Baal worship. It gets worse. 
gets worse. They have a daughter. Ahab and Jezebel have a daughter. And that daughter is named Athaliah. Athaliah married Jehoram. Jehoram was the king of the southern kingdom. And she did what mama did. Well, I got an idea. She brings in nationally Baal worship into the southern kingdom. Now, you understand, all of this brings about the doom and destruction of both kingdoms. The northern kingdom was destroyed in uh, 786 or seven, yes, 786 B.C. The southern kingdom, 522 B.C. And so, no, 722 B.C., 586 B.C. And so both the northern and southern kingdoms, one taken from the Assyrians, one taken from the Babylonians, largely due to the fact that Baal worship was now nationalized. People loved it. People wanted it. And it became basically the nail in the coffin, nationally speaking. You know, say this this morning, that paganism is on a rise in our country today. Huge rise today. And so when she's coming to him, she's coming to him with this background. She has to overcome race. She's a Canaanite woman. She is a Syrophoenician woman. Listen, it is different. It is different than the Samaritan woman than we talked about last week. The Samaritan woman is a half Jew, half Gentile. This woman had absolutely no connection to the Jewish people. She is a full-fledged pagan nation. She's most likely a full-fledged pagan. And she's coming to a Jewish Messiah. She's coming to... The, uh, the Jews for help. This just didn't happen. So we, we understand this morning that we, as, as believers in the New Testament, praise God, here we are. This was not for us. Although in God's big plan, he saw it, but he came unto his own, and his own received him not. He came unto his own, his own people, Jewish people, And the Jewish people rejected him. And in Acts chapter number 8 and 9, a transition took place where the gospel went to the Jews and now to the Jew first and then went over to the Gentiles. And we're here this morning, 2,000 years removed from the time of Christ. And we're sitting here saying, we don't deserve this. We were, according to Matthew or or, or, uh, 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 Romans 11, we've been grafted into this thing. Praise God for that. So we're sitting here, it's like, wow. As a Gentile believing in a Jewish Messiah, before this happened, they were like, I, I have to go to a Jewish Messiah to get help. So she had to overcome race. She had to overcome religion. And the fact here this morning is that she, the way she approaches he, the Lord, watch the phrase in verse 22. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, thou son of what? Am I boring you? Is this boring? Thou son of David. Now, this phrase here, the son of David, is a very interesting phrase. When that was used in the Bible, it is used as a direct reference to the Messiahship of Jesus Christ. So when you say, son of David, you are mentioning, I know who you are. You come from the line of David. You are the promised one. You are one that was predicted to come. So she understands you are Lord, and she understands he's Messiah. Are you all with me? So she comes by faith the right way. She's coming to the right person. She understands who he is. Have mercy on me. She's a Gentile mother crying out to a Jewish Messiah. Had no historical right, had no historical context to come to him and come to this door through Judaism. She's a Gentile. She doesn't deserve this. 
And the response is very interesting in verse 23. Again, here's what the Lord Jesus Christ is doing. For anyone that is praying about something and you are not getting the answer that you want right now, watch this. He many times begins to carve away our pride, our self-reliance. Look at verse 23. (sighs) This is a rough one right here. But he answered her not a word. Silence is not always golden. (laughs) It's not. Wow. Now, if you were to talk to someone and they didn't say a word to you, you would assume, A, they probably need hearing aids. Okay? I mean, it's fair. I mean, they probably need hearing aids. You talk to Scott. Okay? I mean, and if he leaves his hearing aids at home, I'm not just picking on him. He's, what? I can't. Or he just ignores you. It's not, he, don't, he can't hear you. Now, you would assume that if you talk to someone, either A, they did not hear me, or B, they heard exactly what I said, and they're choosing to ignore what I'm asking. So it's indication that he heard her, he looked at her, he's listening to everything she said, and answered her not a word. Now watch this. This goes against our American Christianity, but can I say this? Historical Christianity, when I go back to the Old Testament, go back to biblical living, do you realize the psalmist had to constantly, if you would, deal with a God or a God that was silenced sometimes? Quiet. You want to study Mark, or actually Psalm chapter 13. You start reading Psalm 13, and you start reading through. Why art thou silent? Why are, how, how long will thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long will thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? The last part of that Psalm in verse 6 is, I will sing. So, so regardless of how silent you are, I'm still going to sing your praises. So we have the idea, if God doesn't answer right away, I'm done. But biblical Christianity, biblical uh, uh, Old Testament trusting God is you don't have to necessarily hear from God immediately to know if he's answering or listening. You just keep asking and ask and ask. He says, I, I, he didn't say a word to her. So she had to overcome race. She had to overcome religion. Here's what it gets rough. This, I mean, if, if those two things are, are difficult, this one right here. I've been pastoring long enough to know that this is a big one. It's verse 23. It's the P word. People. That's what it says. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, send her away. We've got better things to do than to have this girl crying after us. For she crieth after us. Now, noting here, unpacking this, you realize these people didn't even give her enough dignity, respect, to talk to her face to face. They're talking to him. See how with me? They're, they got her back. Get her out of here. It's a, it's a South Jersey attitude. Hit the pike. Hit the pike. Get out of here. This woman had to overcome people. And I know this. Church people can be brutal on each other. The Bible uses the word devour. Devour one another. We eat each other. 
And the reason why I don't go to church, because I went to church when I was younger, and I got burned. Well, who didn't get burned? People burn people. People hurt people. People are harsh and hard on people. People can be a hindrance to our faith, can't they? They can keep us from growing, or they can develop us. Oh, it's a powerful fault there. They didn't have enough respect for her. They can be a big hindrance to us. But don't let, listen, people, God uses people. I talked to one person one time. She was going through it. She was going through it years ago. And uh, I said here, I said, we can look at the people aspect of it. That's one level. She says, yes, you're right. And, and we listed the people. I said, well, this person, that was, she wasn't nice to you. He wasn't nice to you. And that was very mean. And I go through it. She goes, yes. I said, that's the people part of it. I said, but how about the God part? I said, do you think that God doesn't know where you are? And the answer is, yes, he does know. Where. Do you think that God is using these people problems to help you? Unfortunately, I believe you're correct. So people sometimes can be used of God to develop us. She had to overcome that. She had to overcome race, rejection, people. But then it gets really bad. And I'm out of time. It gets bad here. He doesn't even answer, answer a word, verse 23. Then verse 24. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but under the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, get this point here. People all around, Seraphonician, Canaanite woman, pagan, um, ma'am. I'm only sent to, to the Jewish people, the house of Israel. Hmm. Now, he doesn't say to her, I can't help you, which is a very interesting thought. He doesn't say, I'm not going to help you. I can't help you. But I want you to know, I'm going to deepen your understanding of who I am. I'm going to deepen your understanding doctrinally of who I am. But I'm going to also use this conversation to help the people that are listening to this conversation. I'm coming to the lost, but to the lost house of Israel. That's who I'm coming to. Then she came and Worship him, saying, verse 25, three words. And you all know what these are. Lord, help me. Now, if we could condense, <laughs> condense all of the pain that we're going through into those three words. I don't have all the, I don't know what to say. I don't have the doctrinal understanding of who you are. I don't know the prophecies that were prophesied about your coming. I don't know all that. I just, I just need help. Lord, help me. Listen, if we can condense our prayers into something very simple, Lord, I just need some help. Wow. Do you think right there, okay, I'll help you. All right, you, you. You have showed enough humility. You're a pagan woman coming to a Jewish Messiah. You have had to deal with these, I'm going to use the word, lame brain disciples that don't even understand my heart. You had to deal with them. In addition to that, I've told you that I'm here, so I'm done. Pot goes further. But he answered and said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Now, I, 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 in my notes here, his words must have shaken her to the very core. Because in a sense... He had just referred to her and her entire nation 
It's not cute little cuddly dogs that we take to the groomers and spend $60 on. Dogs in the Bible ate people when they died. Jezebel was eaten by dogs, at least her, her body, except for hands and feet. They lick people's wounds. I mean, they're, they're just, uh, they would live under people's tables to eat crumbs. And, but dogs in this time were not something that we look at today. They, they, are, they are the outcasts. They were the dirtiest. They were down there with the pigs and the sow. They, they weren't like on the top or upper echelon. And she's referred to as a, as a dog. Now, so in addition to saying nothing to her, in addition to saying, I'm not here for you, I'm here for the Israel, he then begins to push further. He says, I, I can't take the, no, it is not meat. He did not say, I can't. It is not meat. This is not reasonable for me to do this. Now, what she does from here is going to, now here's the problem. The daughter is still demon-possessed. Now, what she does here, how she responds to this, is really in her choice. But you have some that would say at this point, I'm done. I'm done with your church. I'm done with your God. I'm done with the Bible. I'm done with praying. I'm done with everything. That's like the, that's like the, the, cha, the, the, the Christian kid that comes up in a Christian home. They grew up. They, they never really met God themselves. They never had God really work. They're just... They're just tired. They're just, they're just, they're, they're part of just kind of the, the ecosystem of, of the church community, but they've never really met God and who he really is. They know about him, but they don't know who he is. And they could have the idea, just cross me once and I'm done with you. That's why we see a lot, 18, 19, we're done. Left Albuquerque, gone. But each one of these steps takes this woman lower and lower and lower. And my notes here, I can prove this through the scripture. And I'm going to talk about this tonight in my Sunday school class or in our Sunday school at the uh, Young Marrieds. Is that the lower you go, the more help you get. <laughs> the lower you go, the more help you get. Listen, the lower you get, go, the more attention is being brought to God. Are you all here? Now, if you want to exalt yourself, and lift yourself up, oh, go right ahead. But you're not going to get the blessings of God. Are you all here? But when God begins to bring you low, you have a responsibility to respond to that by not being, if you would, bristled at it. How dare you call me a dog? How dare you not even look at me and talk to me? Your disciples, they're, they're a bunch of lunatics too. Your whole thing. I knew it. I knew coming down from Lebanon. I knew you. I, I heard about it, but I knew. I knew I shouldn't have wasted my time. Could have said that. But she is being brought to such a low spot that First Peter 5 says this, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. Listen, there's a whole lesson that I, I may talk about it tonight in the Sunday school on how to humble yourselves. And we're, well, listen, we have, we have people in churches across America that are full of pride. Pastors full of pride. Church members full of pride and we wonder why we don't get God's attention we're so full of ourselves. When God starts to bring you down and grind you down, 
the Bible says he's able to abase. You know what the word base means? Rub your face down. So, so you had to overcome this. But I want you to see verse 27. So you're a dog, your nation's a dog. It's not meat that I can give the children's bread. That's, that's the healing to, to dogs. You know what she said to him? Here's what she said. You couldn't be more right. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree with you more. How does she say it? Verse number 27. And she said, truth, Lord. You were absolutely right. I am a dog. I am. I am. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to even be here asking you. I don't even deserve as a Gentile pagan nation. Jezebel is our, 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 our main character up there. And I, I know I don't even deserve to be here. You're right. But can I ask you one more thing? Martin Luther said this about this text. He said, this is the only time that you find a woman using the Lord's words against him. And the Lord wanting his words to be used against him. Here's what she said. Watch this incredible thought. Colon, verse 27, colon. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. No, she said. I know. You're right. You're right. We, we are dogs. I'm a Gentile dog. However, I don't really need the bread, but if I could just have the crumb, the crumb is enough. (laughs) If I could just get that crumb, brother, if I get that crumb, I know that that crumb would be enough for me. I don't need the bread. I mean, I like to have the bread, but but boy, the crumb, crumb will be good. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, as Gentiles, the crumbs are enough. They're, They're enough. And the crumbs that fall from the master's table, we dogs are eating up. And it's okay. We don't deserve the crumbs. And God lets us have them. Wow. Wow. You can say that backwards. Listen. When he gives her the reward of her faith, here's what... The incredible insight to this. I'm going four or five pages past my notes here. She gets it with an answer. Verse 28. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, huh. A very rare old. Oh. Oh, woman. Great is thy faith. Now, this is another very, very strange response. You have great faith. Now, God called women in the Bible great. There's some women great. This is a great mother here. Great is thy faith. So, you know what she gets here? She gets the whole loaf. (laughs) She's satisfied with the crumbs. And praise God, we get the crumbs, but we get more than the crumbs. We get the whole loaf, man. And I, I love good bread, but the bread of life. When you just want the crumbs, he gives you the whole loaf. Praise God for that. Went to Panera Bread yesterday, two days ago. Whole baguette. 
threw it in the back to boys, and you know, it's like they're like hogs back there in the back seat. <laughs> you know? And so threw the butter back there and uh, then even open the bread. The butter's on top of the crusty part of the bread, you know. That thing was devour, being devoured. Bread is something incredible. You get a hold of a piece of bread, man, a good piece of loaf of bread. It's just, you, you, you get into the bread of life. And I love crumbs, listen, but boy, you get a piece of bread. Jesus is the bread of life. And she gets it all. He says, oh, go home. You're fine. I don't know what it was for her to leave his presence, thanking him. And then going home, Diane, can you imagine this? She's not hearing the screaming anymore. She's not hearing the other kids scared of her daughter. The husband's not there, panicked because she's having another attack. She comes in, and the daughter is fine, probably playing with her dolls or something, young girl. And she thought to herself, what a Messiah. You know, as a believer here this morning, how far does God, listen, is your need big enough for you to humble yourself before God? I had to ask him, is your need big enough to you that you would humble yourself to these extents to get the attention of God to deal and answer that request? Or is your pride bigger than your problem? That, I didn't even ask this at 9 o'clock. This is really thoughtful. Is your pride bigger than your problem or is your problem is your problem so big that you will go low to get God's attention? That's what we have here. We have a petition, we have persistence, and we have the woman receiving the answer to prayer. Now, ladies and gentlemen, little crumbs from the ta- master's table is enough for us.